Welcome to the Punk Rock MBA podcast. Thank you very much for uh, making time for this. I know you guys are busy. You got some stuff going on. Uh, I appreciate you making time for this. What's up in uh, the land of of POD? We're rehearsing right now. We've been rehearsing in San Diego for about uh, three days. And then we're off today and we head up to LA for three days, like full production. But it just seems that this week got a little bit crazy with all, you know, new COVID information and rules and regulations. So it's a little frustrating knowing that we worked so hard to get this tour in over a year and a half and now it could be shut down, you know. It's not yeah. shut down. It's just that's the worst end story. But so we're just bummed that we're still doing this. What can you do, right? I know. Nothing, bro. Nothing. I mean, you guys <laughs> keep, you keep guys, working uh, and try to figure it out. <laughs> you survived a year of it. So I guess you can survive uh, another couple months of it. Hopefully that'll be it. But uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. I hope the tour goes well. Well, there's a, there's a few things I wanted to ask you about. In particular, you know, I, I've been a fan of the band since, uh, you know, since probably uh, 99 or so, right about when like Southtown came out. And I want to kind of turn the the clock back there for anybody uh, who wasn't around back then. And, and in particular, like to me, and tell me what you think about this, back then, the secular scene and the Christian scene were very different. I'm, I'm not Christian. I, I, have re- I have tons of respect for Christians and, and I like a lot of Christian music, but <laughs> the scenes were very, very different. Like they, they did not really overlap back then, at least in my view. Can you talk mm-hmm. about how that was for you? Well, when we first started off in 92, I mean, we were playing backyard parties, uh, boys and girls clubs, wherever, you know, bars that we weren't even allowed to get into that they'd take us out afterwards, you know. Um, and we were never, hey, we're a Christian band. We never, it was never like that. I think people, I mean, we were obvious with our lyrics about things that we believed in. Um, and it was a learning process for us, new to the faith and just kind of very, hardcore militant about mm-hmm. it you know in a way because that's just how the scene was but i think once people realized you know that we were christians it wasn't until we actually went out on the road you know that people started to you know kind of claim not not claim you as their own but that i didn't even know there was such thing as a christian scene if that makes sense or i yeah. didn't know that there were christian bands until you know we just went on tour with friends and then all of a sudden we're playing like cornerstone festival which is all christian hardcore and punk. And then I was like, wow, there's bands out there that are actually decent. You know what I mean? They're, they're actually, these are cool kids and they're actually Christian, so-called Christians, you know? Yeah. So that was, but what do you of, mean by was, so-called Christians? It's different. I live by a faith. So how do I say that? Oh, this is Christian music or to me, Christianity is a faith. And we can sit back and argue what, how to define Christianity. Got and, it. Okay. Just some bands refer to themselves as Christian. Right. But 99% of the time, the word Christian puts a bad taste in people's mouth. So yeah. You know, if I'm I have a me- I'm a mechanic, I'm not gonna say I'm a Christian mechanic. That doesn't make sense. But we happen to be making music, and all of a sudden, you know. But we, you know, like I said, we never we never said, "Hey, we're a Christian band." We were just very open and honest with our lyrics. But then once we did finally meet those bands that were on, like then we discovered like uh, Tooth and Nail, you know, and and all these bands. We became friends with them, and then we started to do shows and do underground tours with them. And so then we started to um, see that there was a little bit of a scene. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it it was a learning process to me too. We were just guys in a band and then all of a sudden, Oh, there's, they're saying you guys are a Christian band. Like, okay, what does that mean? Oh, interesting. So, so you guys were not a part of the, you know, by the time that I found you, you were sort of associated, you know, like I saw in the, you know, the video for Southtown, you were, you know, guys wearing like Zayo and NIV shirts and all that stuff. And I was into all those bands. So you weren't, you, you weren't really in the beginning anyway, you weren't necessarily part of that scene. Once we left, once we started touring on our own, I would say 94, 95, 96, 97, we made a lot of friends in that scene. So we, yeah, we toured a lot as almost just, hey, how do we help each other out? You take me out, we'll take you out, get a couple of vans, let's go. You know what I mean? So we we were a part of it in that sense. But when we first started playing shows in our hometown, we were playing shows with Cypress Hill, Green Day, Bad Brains, HR, you know, all this stuff. So it was like, it wasn't until people started to say, hey, well, are you guys like a Christian band? It's like, well, we're Christians. Like, what does that mean? And it wasn't until we, like I said, we went on tour with some friends in 94 that were actually on Tooth and Nail. And then, then we're like, oh, there's a huge, I mean, it wasn't huge, but you know what I mean? There was a scene. Yeah. In my, in my mind, because I wasn't raised like Christian. So in my mind, there was DC Talk and Striper. Exactly. Yeah. That was, that was my knowledge. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then, right. But then once you, I met like MXPX, you know what I mean? And once I met the guys in Zayo and I'm like, oh, okay, this is sick. Yeah, but I yeah. don't 
but I don't, but those guys might be a little different. And then you get to know those guys and they're like, okay, they do kind of have that Christian youth group kind of background. And so maybe they were calling themselves Christian music. We didn't label ourselves that, if, if that makes sense. But we yeah. were very open. It wasn't like we were, I think at one point we even made like a sticker that said POD trust Jesus. You know what I mean? We're like, right. that's how, that's how young we were. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. <laughs> the, the reason I ask is because, you know, a few years after that, you know, maybe by the mid to late two thousands in especially like the metalcore warp tour kind of scene, it became such a big thing that at one point I just sort of started to assume that any like new heavier band was probably a Christian band. How funny. You know, well, dude, yeah. there were so many of them. Well, I mean, it's not like, I mean, I don't sit here and take credit for that, but there was a time when, you know, when we were doing the underground stuff and then there were those bigger Christian labels. And then that's how I knew about, you know, these DC talks of the world and all these big con um, contemporary Christian artists. So when those artists were, I mean, those labels were hitting us up to sign us. It was like, well, this doesn't make sense. You know, that you, you guys have like, I don't know. I don't even know the bands you have them, but right. they're, apparently they're pretty popular, but, but that's not us. You know, we, we were already affiliated with like Brandon Abel and them for tooth and nail, but we didn't really jive a lot with those bands. I think we were just too, um, we were kind of in our own world. Those were all like these in a different area. Let's just say that we were kind of in our own world. So we never really thought, yeah, let's go the tooth and nail route. <laughs> so when we got approached by these Christian labels, we were like, nah, we're, we're cool. Like we're already doing it on our own independently. We could just keep doing it. But when we got approached by Atlantic Records, it was a different story. But Atlantic Records didn't, I don't think they ever thought we would sell a million records on that first album. They were just like, yeah, whatever. Let's give these guys a shot. The moment the fans, that, that eight years of loyalty, you know, the underground, those, those fans started calling tooth and nail and they started paying attention. And then, you know, we got on TV and we got on whatever cool tours. And then we sold a million records. Then here comes the label, not who is impressed by our faith and the loyalty of our fan base. They're like, what other Christian bands are there out there? Right. And now they, if POD can sell a million, I bet you we can find another band that can sell a million. And so what do they do? They start asking us like, who else do you know? And we're like, I don't know, Project 86, like bands that we like, Blindside. We knew of Skillet at the time, you know, we're like, okay, cool. They're all, we, we've, we've met these guys before. They're all cool. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask is it, it, it seemed to me like I grew up in Seattle. And so I knew some of the tooth and nail guys and stuff when yeah, I was yeah. a kid. Um, and, it, and it seemed to me like you guys really were the breakthrough band that kind of opened the doors for all that stuff. Because, you know, the idea of a Christian band, especially like a heavy Christian band being mainstream was just not no. really an option. I mean, nobody thought that would ever happen. You know, Striper was the no. closest thing. And that was you know, years right. before that. Yeah. But it was different. That was seen more like this entertainment kind of gimmick. I mean, no, that not, I'm not disrespecting Striper, but they had this kind of, at the time, that's what music was. You know what I mean? It had this big kind of production and this crazy look about it. And so they did their thing, but for us, it was just some, um, it was more underground. But then once the labels realized that we, we were marketable and they can sell records, that's all they cared about. They didn't care about like, Oh, these guys have a message or these guys have something to say. It was never, ever like that. But speaking of your message, that's really what I appreciated about it because it sounded like, you know, a lot of those hardcore bands that I was into. But even even though I was never Christian, I always like the 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 positivity of a lot of those Christian bands resonated with me, which is why I was into them, like unashamed and stuff like that. It was yeah, really into that kind of stuff. And I really resonated with that. And and watching it now as an adult, I'm 42. So I was like 21 or something like that when mm -hmm. South Time came out. Looking at it as an adult now, I see how different you guys were from all the other, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily call you guys a new metal band, but that's sort of the the bucket that you were put into, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? That's that's what people <laughs> of course. You know. Yeah. Of course. And and, it, and looking at it now as an adult who sees things like family and stuff very differently than I did when I was a kid, you know, right. you guys had your your family in there, your neighbors. And even though you guys weren't churchy at all, if you know what I mean, not like DC talk. I mean, you guys, yeah. you know, you, you didn't look or carry yourselves that way, but there was always that like really strong positive element with, especially the family stuff. And I grew up with like a shitty broken family and stuff. So mm. I, you know, I didn't value family then the way that I do now. Mm. I guess what I'm interested in is like, it, it seems like you guys were able to find that line of being positive without being corny. That's so hard to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, dude, I mean, 
look, we, we, we came to faith, you know, we, we believe in Jesus, but we're from the street. We're like, we're real guys. You know what I mean? This, and this was a choice. It wasn't like, Oh, I'm something I'm forced to do this routine, this religious thing. It was like, dude, no, I'm, I'm choosing God and music so that I am not going to die in the streets, you know what I'm saying? With, mm -hmm. or, or turn to whatever in the streets, you know, with the, like with a lot of the choices that me and my friends are faced with. So this was something to do. So when we, when I first accepted God into my heart, it was more like, yeah, I can do this too. I can scream. I love, I love these hardcore bands and they're all screaming about something. I didn't say, Oh, this is a Hare Krishna band. This is, this is a Buddhist band. This is, this is just a hardcore band and they have something to say. So I always thought that it was the same with POD. Like, well, do we have something that's real to us? Why can't we scream it on the microphone? You know what I mean? And so I didn't know any different, you know, but I did know of the, like I said, the DC talks net of the world, but that was, that wasn't my life. And, and I didn't relate to that. I still don't relate to that. I mean, and that I'm not saying that disrespectfully, but there was kids that said, oh, it's dude, not for I, you. It's not for me. And so dude, what's what it is. But I related to the suicidal tendencies of the world, you know, the run, uh, run DMC, you know what I mean? Whatever, bad brains. But I was on a different path. And so that was just something. And because we were so vocal, and I'll say it again, we were very militant with our faith because we kind of came out of that gang mentality where it's like, Oh, what you're, you, this is, I'm about Jesus or yeah, I'm a Christian. What's up? You know, it was more of that. It's just immaturity. If that makes sense. We're, we're yeah. kids, you know what I mean? It's just immaturity. And so we had songs that were abortion is murder and punk rock song, you know, and I, and we thought we were being doing what we were supposed to do, be up front, be in people's faces. And then you realize later where you're like, Oh, you know, there's only a small amount of people that are, you're going to really reach that way. We well, don't that have was, to prove that was ourselves. Just the, the spirit of the time too. Like I was yeah, vegan right? and straight edge. I was into earth crisis yeah. and all that stuff and love those guys. <laughs> yeah. And that's just, that's what, and, and I think that's cool. Even though in hindsight, a lot of that stuff, maybe I would say things differently or whatever, but yeah, I think it's cool that people had a message that they felt that strongly and that sincerely about, and they wanted to share it. I, I, I believe that too, but you obviously that was, that's what I, but see, that's how I learned in my faith is like, how come everybody can say everything in the world and it's not offensive. The moment I say Jesus, I'm offending people. And that still happens today. And this was the word band of 30 years now, you know what I mean? So in order to, you know, I'm not trying to offend people, but I also, I also want to get something out. But I, I learned as we went to just be, Hey dude, let's have more of a conversation. Cause we would go into clubs and just think like, and just in the spirit of the bands that we were playing with, dude, we're going to scream it out whether you like it or not until, you know, you get around certain people that were, they're like, dude, you know, you, you guys are getting a buzz in San Diego and they, these, these clubs are inviting you to play. And that's a cool thing. Like you don't want to burn the bridge and like have them never invite you back. You know what I mean? So we just kind of learn certain ways, but I remember playing a show with far back in the day, a little club in downtown and we did abortion is murder. And I remember walking out, this little guy, the singer, little guy comes and fronts me like, you know what, man? And instantly I'm thinking like, oh, dude, I'm going to smack this dude, right? But he's like, you know, I heard what you said. You know, I don't think abortion, you know, boy, he started coming at me about abortion. He's like, but you know what? But you have the right to say it and you said it and I respect that. And ever since then, I respected him and I respected him. It's how it should like, be. It's how it should be, you know? But then I also, we might not even never did that song again because it was like, you know what? Because we got involved with organizations that were like pro-choice, but then all they were showing ever was dead babies. And it was like, right. how are we communicating love and compassion? And, and even what if, a, what if a, a young girl had an abortion? That's the past. Now, now she needs to have the love and the compassion now to be like, hey, dude, let me sit with you. Here's the help emotionally. All these different things, not just in your face. But like you said, bro, you said, you said it so nicely in the spirit of the bands and stuff that we were with. It was like, this is what we're about unapologetically you know and so but then when we signed to a major label you and we toured a little bit had a little experience you're just like you know what the message can be a lot more universal not trying not meaning watering it down or compromising yeah. but you know what's that saying you can attract a lot more flies with honey you know what i mean so it's just it was just learning as we were going and we were maturing and we were you know we were getting married and we were having kids of our own and trying to become you know family guys and it was just we were just learning that's all but isn't it wild that back then, and I guess probably still now, you can talk about fighting people. You can, you can say literally anything you want pretty much, except yeah. that you're Christian. But dude, that's, I mean, that's, okay. it's so funny. That's yeah. the most offensive thing you could say in hardcore. It's wild. 
Yeah, but you know, but there's also that's why you had those bands like Unashamed. Those guys were they were just as good as anybody else, but they were saying, "Dude, we're this is what we're about," and they had the right to do that, you know. But but me being a man of of faith and scripture, you go back to the scripture, and Jesus even said, "Dude, to take heed." He's like, "And don't even trip, because the world is gonna hate you." Yeah, but it's because they hated me first. That's it. So knowing that, I'm like, "Wow, okay, maybe this is scripture living," and it's kind of like. I thought that I was like, you know, I wasn't such a good guy when I wasn't a Christian. Now that I'm a Christian, I thought everybody was going to love me. You know what I mean? <laughs> Cops are going to be nice to me. You know what I mean? Uh, all your parents are going to love me. The tattoos aren't going to bother you. Like all these things. And then we learned a whole new world of things where it was like, oh, okay. We're not even accepted in the Christian world because this music is not what they say is of God. Our tattoos are not of God. You know, And I think that's why we kind of found a little you know friendship and a unity with a lot of those bands because they were facing the same things at the time i mean they weren't as in your face as we were they kind of fit that little even if they were hardcore they were still kind of cute you know what mm-hmm. i mean like how can how, how can offensive uh can a couple of you know a few guys from orange county who are just <laughs> who are just waiting to get their trust fund you know what i mean so it's like they're not or they're going to go to college anyway this is just a hobby yeah so how, you know, they're talking about Jesus, but how offensive are they? They're kind of cute. I like these guys. But when POD got in your face and said, what's up? Then it was like, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. That's not, that's not good. That's not right. Right. You know what I'm saying? Well, if, if it's not too personal, I'm curious, you mentioned that you were having families and stuff. I remember seeing on, you know, TV and stuff back then you had your daughter who was maybe like two or three or something like that. When you guys really started like blowing up, mm. it, it, it seems like, it seems like it's got to be really tough to be in a band that's blowing up at a time where, you know, you have a young kid that you want to be around all the time. If you don't mind me asking, how have you kind of, how did you manage that? Um, I mean, my daughter, just to clarify on that, and that MTV crib, she was still, she wasn't even one yet, but, but she, that's when we started to do like the Ozfest of the world. We started to get on a lot more, you know, before independently, we can kind of call the shots, you know what I mean? But my wife got pregnant right when Fundamental Elements dropped. And all of a sudden, you know, we're getting asked to go out on tour with Corn. And I mean, my daughter was six weeks and Corn asked us to take us to Europe. And I took my, my wife and my daughter came and she was only six weeks. People thought we were crazy. But it's like, dude, I'm I'm a new daddy. And like, I yeah. can't leave my, my family. And so we were learning then, you know, and then Ozfest came. It's like, well, s- we some people t- would. Well, no, but we'll see that. That's the point I'm getting to. And yeah. so there was a season there where it was like, okay, cool. They would fly out, do whatever. But this was like, this is the, this is the push time for us. Everything we've worked for in the last, you know, eight, nine years, it's paying off. And this yeah. is huge. We're, we're working, right? It's like if a guy's going off and overseas for the military, he's not going to see his family in a year. I mean, it's not that we didn't see our family, but it was like, we were grinding, grinding, grinding. And so we took that into mind. But then once even later, when sat- and satellite came out and even things got crazier, we did realize that, dude, these we were getting hit by our management label. Like, you guys don't tour enough. I was like, what do you mean, dude? We're like, we're constantly out, you know? But in their eyes, it's like, you need to be out 12 months a year. And it's like, yeah. so, dude, that was a sacrifice, too. Because I don't think we, at any point, we said, yeah, we're cool with that. You know, we toured as much as we could. Um, having families while other bands tore their butts off and and i can even now see kind of the results where it's like you know i'm, I'm glad we didn't tour that much mm-hmm. can we be a lot more famous and relevant and money in our pockets we sure can but that was a, a sacrifice that we made and it was like dude we're we were all new daddies newly married we're like we love music but you know we just i guess we just had that kind of rooted foundation in us and but we've been touring ever since. And even now we still, you know, like I said, my, my first daughter, she grew up on the road until she really got into a routine of school. And, you know, my son, my my daughter, my middle daughter was born. We took a little time off. My son was born ever since he was on the four, since he was four, I was homeschooling him on the road until he was almost in, you know, like fifth grade, sixth grade. So I'm not going to sacrifice my family for rock and roll, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I really appreciate now that you guys did that. As I was researching this and stuff, we like literally moved last week. We were in Seattle before we moved down to Olympia, uh, which is like an hour south mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. In large part to be closer to my wife's family who lives here. They're getting older and stuff. And uh, I really appreciate that you guys had your family in your videos and in on, you know, whenever you were on cribs mm-hmm. and stuff, you guys always had your family there. And it was, it was cool to me to see that 
example, even you know, you guys didn't beat anyone over the head with it, but it's just like, obviously you guys are really close with your families. And I think that's something yeah. that nobody talks about that in the scene. Nobody, right, ta- right. They, they talk about family in the sense of like, you know, your hardcore family, but not your actual family. Yeah. Well, I mean, we had that hardcore family. We had our street family. We had our, you know, our real family, not, not real, but you know what I'm saying? Blood yeah. family. And uh, it, yeah, it was important. It still is important to us. You know what I mean? And throughout the years, I mean, we, we can write books on just even how that has changed because of the industry and that, and um, you know, there's a lot of cost to what we do, even, even as guys of faith, you know, you think we go into this and we're untouchable, like nothing's going to happen because we're rooted and grounded. Right. We know, you know, and you're perfect <laughs> we have all these, too. Cause, cause yeah, if you're well, Christian, yeah, you never mention, do anything wrong. Right. Not to mention I'm, I'm a perfect <laughs> Christian, so nothing's going to happen, but you know, you get into the real world, right. Outside your, your, your four wall church building and then you're like okay so this is not that we were um ignorant to real life but you know that was that was san diego life you know now we're like in we're going all over the world you know there's different things going on and you know everything is a lot more real than than what you thought it was you know so it all comes down again to your choices and decisions and like you said none of us are perfect man and we've we've done the best that we can you know but in, in the meantime trying to run you know, you say how you have a band and you never knew your band was going to become your business, you know? So then there's a whole different way of thinking. And, uh, there's just so much more involved than just you four sitting in a stinky garage. It's, there's a lot more added on top and you don't, you know, no one, no one knows how to describe that until you go through it. It seems like it's kind of that feeling of what happens when the cat actually catches the squirrel, you know, and the band are like, Oh shit, we didn't ever yeah, think the yeah. band was actually going to blow up, but it's happening. Right? What yeah, do, what do we, exactly. we got this tiger by the tail what do we do oh yeah i remember it just like it was yesterday it was yesterday <laughs> <laughs> yeah time flies it's it's terrifying yeah. uh the the thing that actually made me want to do this interview is um i, I made a video about new metal videos and i i, I watched i saw your that. video yeah okay yeah so i, I watched <laughs> the video for this goes out to you and you know from what i understand that song's kind of specifically about like chicano people is that right I think the video gave more, okay. maybe that, but it really is just out to the people that along the way have helped us. You know, we could, we, we'd never be here. We still couldn't do what we do, you know, and if these, if our friends and fans weren't, you know, buying a t-shirt or coming to, you know, our shows, we're, we're, we're a blue collar band where people think POD and they think, Oh, dude, those guys were on top of the world, you know, at one point and, and they must have millions in the banks. Like that's not true. We are a blue collar working band. You do not tour. You do not eat. Especially right. now when no one buys, no one buys, uh, you know, CDs or music anymore. And before it was like, well, you guys have sold millions of records. Like, yeah, but don't you know, haven't you heard 20 years ago? Before? I mean, that, yeah. you know. Yeah. But a- you haven't you heard that saying? It's been in every, I don't know how many rap songs or whatever songs. The label was designed to keep the artists in debt. It's like, it's true. And you don't think it's true, you know, and it wasn't like that. I mean, there's a lot of artists that have made lots of money, um, but that's a different, that's a different, that's a different world maybe it's just the point I'm at in life or something that I've been thinking about those things, but I really liked the message of that song, just that it's about, you know, celebrating the normal everyday people that nobody ever thinks about the guy on the bus, you know, the mom taking her daughter for a walk, those like little things that actually really make a difference in people's lives. And uh, just made me really happy to watch that. I I don't know if that makes any sense, but the older I get, the more I appreciate that stuff. Yeah. If we ever had a chance to hang outside a podcast, you'd see that we're like, you know, that's the one thing I love about my guys. We've been through ups and downs. We're not perfect, but we, you know, we're, we're from, we're, where, we're from where we're at. You know what I mean? We're not changing. There might've been some times in there when we drank the Kool-Aid a little bit when everybody thought we were just so cool. Um, but we're still, it's just, I'm the same guys, man. You know what I mean? We still live in the same city, the same neighborhoods. You know what I mean? It's like, we're, we're here. It's a, uh, it's almost like a, uh, yeah, we, we, it's not like we shot for Hollywood. It was just like, did it happen? And when it happened, we kind of enjoyed it while it was there. And we, you know, we learned a lot. It made some mistakes, had some successes. And then, but we're, we're realists when it comes back to it. Like, dude, we're still here. We're raising our kids. You know what I mean? We're right with our family, friends, same neighborhood, trying to get by just like everybody else. Well, tell me about that. You said there were some times where you kind of drank the Kool-Aid. Well, I mean, you know, when you start blowing up and all of a sudden the label's massaging you, you know what I mean? And everybody's like, want something for you. I remember at a certain time kind of being, I was, I was watching it kind of from just 
you know, I, I could see it happening. You know what I mean? And w- all of us are different characters, right? You know, <laughs> you might be able to entice me with one thing. You might be able to entice my buddy, my, my Batman with another thing. He might be easier than me. I don't know. But once people start, you know, giving you everything you want and it's just like, oh, this is nice. And I remember saying at one point, I was like, you know what? I don't like the way this feels. Like, it feels like everybody's wiping our butts. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, I said, which feels nice at the moment. I said, but the problem is, we're going to forget how to do it ourselves because everybody around us is yes men. And as soon as I realized that everybody around us was yes men, I got, to, I was turned off to it. I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't like this man. You know, or even now I'm like, dude, you don't need to grab my, my luggage. I got my luggage. You know I mean, you don't need to do this for me. I, I'm a grown man. It's always been that way. And I don't want you to do something for me and come back to me two days later and say, man, man, when I did that for you, like you didn't do nothing for me, homie. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I do my own stuff. That's what I do. So it was just a thing, but you can see that. And then, um, you know, all of a sudden and everybody, everybody's little egos kind of change. And then all of a sudden it caused division between, you know, some members in the band and we had a little falling out for a season and it just, uh, but it, it happens, dude, you know, and you got people in everybody's ear. First we're a band. All of a sudden they start pulling you aside one by one, mm. you know, and talking a different story. And all the people you know, you you're the only on reason this band is big. Ah, exactly. You know, that you know other guy, I mean? he's really, I, I feel like he's holding you guys back. <laughs> We've heard it all, dude. You know, in, in my mind, though, I was like, I was, you know, the last member of this band, but my cousin and Marcos, the drummer, and the guitar player, they were another band. And when they asked me to, to join, it's been an honor ever since. So I never thought like, oh, dude, I'm the front guy, dude. I'm the face of this outfit. It was always like, dude, I'm just stoked to be jamming with you guys. You know what I mean? I'm just I didn't think we'd leave San Diego. And so when things started to happen, it was like, yeah, you know, I, but like, I, you know, whatever, maybe I did, maybe the guys might say something different, but I think maybe I just caught on it too early. And I was like, I don't like the way this feels, man. I mean, obviously I like some of the the perks and this is kind of cool. And Hey, we can quit our day jobs now because we're actually making a living in music. But you know, when you start seeing it, you're like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not buying into all that they're selling right now. You know what I mean? (laughs) Or ever. Well, for anybody who's watching or listening that maybe wasn't, you know, around at your peak, I mean, the band was absolutely huge, like, mm-hmm. especially, you know, like Youth in a Nation and Da Boom. And I mean, these songs were <laughs> played at like basketball games and like, yeah, I mean, these were like, this is like post Malone level huge. And <laughs> it, it's got to be, I, just, oh, I don't God. know. Like, I mean, I know lots of people in relatively big bands, but not like that. And that's just got to be a really weird place, especially, you know, coming from playing shows with Zao not that long before. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was crazy. I mean, dude, to this day, I'll, I always tell the story. I'll never forget. It was in um, Cleveland and it was snowing outside. We were playing a, uh, uh, this little uh, cafe with Zao and they had two shows back to back. That's how hardcore shows did it. Right. <laughs> and it was snowing out there. And I was like, dude, we've never been to Cleveland before. This is crazy. Um, there's no way p- kids are going to come out. It's, it's, you know, two degrees outside. And sure enough, dude, we played that show it was packed, looked outside. There was people outside waiting to get in the second show. And those are those days where you remember like, dude, this scene was so dope. This is how it was supposed to yeah. be. Especially, you know, I get it. People could look at me and say, dude, but you played on big stage and done that. It's like, yeah, but you don't understand the the spirit and that heart is lost. We were different. You know, when we started with all those guys and did that. It was like, dude, we, this is what it's about. And then you get on those big stages that looks great and all this stuff, but you're like, when do we become entertainers? Right. You know what I mean? Like, this is kind of crazy. So, uh, you know, but, but we made that cho- choice. We did everything independently and we knew that we kind of did as much as we could in that underground scene. And it was like, why not try and see what the next level is? And that's when we reached out and we did showcases. And all of a sudden when lab- big labels hit again, we didn't know what was going to happen, man. It just, uh, I don't think that I say this before. I don't think this band was ever meant to be mainstream. It kind of happened. And then now that everybody kind of wants to go back to their sex, drugs and rock and roll and Mm -hmm. whatever, you know, post nine 11, you know, we're all safe and the world's safe now, whatever, you know, we don't need POD message anymore. You know what I mean? So it's just kind of, well, people may not want it, but they definitely need it. (laughs) Yeah, I, but I that's always that. how it works. It's always it, you know? <laughs> the, the people who need it are rarely the people who want it. Yeah, I feel you. I know a lot of those bands. Like I remember when Earth Crisis, you know, quote yeah. unquote, sold out, and they, you know, made their new oh. records stuff like that. Um, which, which I get, but 
their rationale, which I agree with, was, you know, if you have a message, then you should try to bring that message to the biggest possible crowd that you can. You know, it's cool playing shows to 30 people at, you know, with hardcore bands. That's probably more fun in a lot of ways than playing arena shows. But if you have something to say, which I believe you guys always have had something important to say, you almost have a responsibility to bring that message to the most people you can. At least that's how I would feel about it. No, true, man. I think, yeah, I totally agree. It was, we were just kind of going wherever it took us. You know what I mean? We were used to those small shows. And then when things started to happen, it was like, okay, cool. This is just how it kind of maybe the natural process. Um, But we always felt that it was because of that. It was like, we we just felt like, you know, not that we're anybody, but we did feel like we had something to say because it was working in our lives and it was real in our lives. And so like you would share with a friend, why not share it? You know, and as things went on, it just, um, you know, there was a, when satellite came out, it was just a good, it was maybe just a good, a nice climate, you know, the right, the right climate, I should say for people to ask questions and wonder, Hey, what's your band about? I like this positive message. I like this. And so it kind of put us in a, on a pedestal in certain ways and it gave us awesome you know, killer opportunities and i think once pod kind of broke those boundaries of like oh that's a christian band and who cares what what does that mean then it opened up the doors for a lot of these other bands to come through because before they weren't they couldn't say if they said they were christians it was like ah, you guys suck yeah but then it was like oh you guys are christians like pod oh cool let me let me check it out let me listen now i'm not patting me on the back i'm just saying no that's what happened we, we fought and we worked hard and we broke down a lot of those stereotypes and those barriers um, that was like, you know, because even bands would be like, oh, dude, I hate Christian music, but P.O.D. kicks ass. A lot of people in Christian bands don't like Christian music. That's, you know, that's yeah, common. Yeah. But but the rest of the world don't know that. They think we're all, we all grew up on, you know, I'm not going to even say the names, but they just think yeah. we're all like these weak, soft YouTube kids that have been brainwashed and don't know anymore. And it's like, we can't think for ourselves. And it's like, that's what I'm trying to say is that I am thinking for myself. Either this is what I choose and, you know, check the resume once again. <laughs> right. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Bowie, Dylan, Marley. You've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs. But what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, You can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use Hyperfollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. 
And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. Tell me about what keeps you going now and about longevity, because, you know, it's one thing to blow up. That's hard enough. But to then keep going for another 15, 20, 25 years afterwards is a whole other challenge, especially when, you know, you're no longer on, you know, whatever, you're no yeah. longer in that giant, <laughs> huge, I'm not trying to like say like, no, I know what you mean. Yeah, we're you not Metallica. I mean. Yeah, exactly. You're not in the spotlight the way yeah. that you guys were around satellite and stuff. A lot of people, their ego wouldn't be able to handle that and they would quit or whatever. What keeps you guys going for so long and what, you know, I want to keep doing what I'm doing for as long as I possibly can. What right. advice would you have for me, I guess? You know, like I said before, we kind of counted the costs on certain things. When there was a time, man, when things got super, super rough, you know, and um, Marcos came back to the band and we all kind of went their own personal things. And I needed some time off, you know, and even then knowing like, dude, you can't take time off when you're we're in the middle of everything. You know what I mean? This this might be a career killer, you know, and knowing that that was a risk, you know, switching, a switching a member was a risk. You know, there was all these things. Um, and then even going back and then doing it again with our original guitar player and learning some things. It's like, dude, only because of experience. And we've been around, we've seen so many different changes come and goes all this stuff. And we made a decision at one point. It was like, you know what? we want to get off a major label. We don't want to have to be bound by these rules. We don't, we're not going to wear makeup. You know what I mean? We're not going to put on the clothes that they want us to put and, and be like such and such band because they happen to be the, the, the hot thing at the moment. It's like, we're not going to do that. And so we've counted the cost and all that. And in a way, if we're just talking financially or we're talking fame or celebrity, it is, it's hurt us, but integrity and, you know, like who we are, it's like, you know what? That's why we're stoked. If we go play a thousand seater and it packs out, we're like, dude, we are happy guys. You know, dude, or we you pack can keep doing that for the rest of your life. Right. That's exactly. amazing. And that's where we're at. I mean, even you know, we'll play certain places and maybe, you know, they have smaller clubs and they're like, dude, why'd you even come to my city? It was like, cause you guys are here, dude. Like, you don't understand you're packing out this show. We're here. We're having fun. And without you, we, we couldn't do this anymore. So you know, I know we've had conversations with the guys, even in a lot of our own differences and things where we're just like, dude, I just want to keep, you know, I remember Marcos, my guitar player, just saying, dude, I just I want to just keep inspiring people, man. You know, even though we have our own things and it's like, if we can keep playing cool music, loving people, giving people hope. It's like done our jobs. And it's like, yes, dude, 30 years later, we still feel that way. You know, it doesn't make it easier, you know, especially in today's climate. Where I'm like, I don't want to tour 13 months out of the year. You know what I mean? I don't want to do this or that. Um, and so you, you know, when that, whatever arises, you got to make your choices and decision for what's best for you and your family. But even now it's like, uh, there's times when I, before this whole COVID and pandemic thing, I mean, anybody knows every, you know, two weeks into the tour, I'm a big baby. And I'm like, eh, I just want to <laughs> go home. I miss, I miss home, you know, but. Have, have but, you, you know, always been then, like that? Or is that, is that as no, you've gotten older? I think as I got older, it's gotten a little bit, it, it's a little bit rougher. And I see now that, you know, before when it was like, okay, I got to be gone on tour, but hey, we have, you know, we're living large, you know what I mean? Or we got, everything's taken care of. You know, now when it's like, I got to work 13 months out of the year and I'm still barely like surviving, like <laughs> I'll go get a job at Costco and I could be <laughs> home. I could be home for all my kids' soccer games, you know what I mean? Softball games or whatever. So it's those kind of costs. So now that yep. the industry has changed and we're on the road freaking still hustling almost 30 years later. And it's like, okay, am I doing this? because I just want to do this. And, and there's times you have to ask yourself, you're like, dude, we, this is still awesome to be able a bus comes and pick you up. We get to go on tour with my best friends and play shows. But after a while, you're like, dude, this is where's music at right now. Right. Cause I'm not trying to just keep entertaining people. Where's it at? But, and to my point, so when I'm crying, I want to go home and I'm like, dude, I just miss my family. This industry sucks. Touring sucks. You know, I'm walking to my bus or whatever. And because look at me, I'm a rock star. I got a bus. And then that guy comes up where he's like, dude, Sonny, what's up? I'm like, hey, what's up, bro? Like, 
dude. And it's like, can I tell you something? It's like, what's up, bro? Of course, you know, dude, I was going to kill myself. And then, uh, and then the song beautiful came on the, you know, I had the, I had the gun loaded, whatever, dude, Alive came on. It was like, I've been, dude, I've been clean ever since, you know, and I heard that again, no credit to myself or to my band. I've heard that more times than I have you guys rock. And then when I'm sitting there whining, crying about my little circumstance, I'm like, that's why we started this band, dude. And until that ends, you know, sometimes I w- sometimes I want it to end so I could be like, you know what? No good reports today. You know, just another <laughs> rock show. Uh, I think it's time to go home. But, you know, when I'm down and out and I'm just feeling like, dude, what's the point? You know, you run into that person and they give you a little more. They, they speak into your life. And I, but I just believe that that's God saying, dude, keep being faithful. You know what I mean? Keep, keep rocking out. Keep giving it your all every time because there are people that are listening and I'm making sure that they're listening. And so, you know, I mean, I, we can talk endless about the stories and it's like, that's oh, what sure. keeps yeah. me and the guys going. It does because it's not easy. We're not, we're not Metallica, dude. You know what I mean? We're not even, we're not even the bands that we're in that new metal genre that can keep going and, and selling out arenas because they have the dream team behind them. We're the guys that said, no, I don't want a dream team because I want to keep my freaking sanity and I want to maintain my integrity. Let's just do it ourselves. And we'll just act like an independent kind of band. So we, we work, right? We work hard, not saying no one else doesn't, doesn't work hard either, but their reward is a lot bigger than, than ours. But they also, you know, we also on the positive side, get those fans that are like, dude, your band, your music changed my life. And so it's like, you know what? That's undeniable. Okay, I'm going to play the next show. <laughs> so if you were just playing, you know, party music or whatever that didn't have a message, nah. you, you wouldn't nah. keep doing it necessarily. Dude, I, I, like I said, if you know me, I'm, I'm not that guy. I don't need to be seen. I don't need to be, you know, I don't need my picture taken. I don't, I'm not that guy. I just, I, I never, I needed that validation or I never needed to be the spotlight and, if anything, it gives me anxiety. So, so it really is a testimony in itself that I do what I do. And I've done it for 30 years because I still get nervous. You go ask me to go read something. My buddy asked me to read something at his wedding and I, I sat there and froze. And I'm like, this is insane. I played in front of millions of people. You know what I'm saying? Cause it's not my yeah. character to be like, Hey, check me out. You know, look at me, floss, floss, look at how cool I am. The only reason why I grabbed the microphone in the first place was cause like, dude, I became a, I found my faith in Jesus and it was real. That was it. And I want my friends to hear about it. What somebody can wants to, wants to play outside of San Diego. Maybe they'll hear about it and I can scream in their face about it. And maybe it might mean something. And that's the only reason I don't think that I'm a great singer. I don't think that I have all this charisma and all this stuff. My buddies asked me to jump in the band and I said, dude, it's either do this or something bad's going to happen. And so I need to do something positive in my life. And that was it. And the band went to be what it's supposed to be. And, but I, I don't dismiss the fact that dude, there was, to me, that was a calling. I don't, you know, you look at most of these biggest bands that are out there and I know all these guys and I love all these guys. A lot of them are very weak and, 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 and timid mm-hmm. and they're, they, they were used to being bullied while they were, you know, a kid. And so they grew up one day and said, I'm going to be an effing rock star. And when I stand up on stage, I'm going to give the world the middle finger because that's how I feel. I never felt that way. But it's not really how they <laughs> feel. It's how they want other people to believe that they feel. Well, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Well, maybe at one point they did. But hey, it's a, it sure has done me well. You know what I mean? There's <laughs> this kind of like, you know, there's a there was an era when people were making certain kind of music and their lyrical tone and all this stuff. And. It's like that story with, uh, I remember reading about like uh, Black Sabbath, where it was like the moment they, because because of their music was heavy and they're wearing all black and because they had crosses, like, oh, they're they're of the devil. And then the, the guys in the band were like, dude, we've gotten more popular since they said we were like of the devil. They're like, let's just keep letting them believe <laughs> that we are because it sells. You know what I mean? So whatever, everybody gets in their world and it's like, yeah, I've created this persona of me and. But at the end, dude, you got to live with yourself. You got to be, you know, got to find yourself and all that. And a lot of these guys, and they hide behind rock and roll, you know, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, are you up to take a few uh, live questions? Yeah, dude. All right. Well, I'll. Uh, <laughs> I'm just I'll sweating on... in my son's room. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm kind of hot too. Well, I, I turned on <laughs> turned on chat here. So if anybody has any questions, 
drop them in the chat and uh, and Sonny will answer them. Uh, while we wait for a couple of those to come in, you know, I think sure, it's buddy. really smart and other people watching or listening should pay attention to this to like understand that you should optimize whatever you're doing, optimize for happiness, not necessarily what is going yeah, to get man. you the most attention or short-term success. You know, like even if you're in the corporate world or whatever, like my wife worked for Amazon for a long time. There's a lot mm -hmm. of people there who uh, are super successful and uh, have achieved a lot, but they're yeah. out of shape, they're divorced, their kids don't care about them, you know, yeah. and what was all that worth? You know, yeah, like if yeah. you look at a bullet point list of their achievements, that's cool, but are they happy people? And certainly in the entertainment world, there's tons and tons of those people who on yeah. paper look like they have it all, but they're actually miserable, broken people. So yes, sir. Do not get lost <laughs> in the sauce as Gucci uh, yeah. Mane says. Yeah, no, you're, uh, you're so right, dude. Especially in today's social media world, it's completely 100,000% fake and false. And unfortunately, it's got our kids believing that it is fact. You know what I mean? And it's truth. And it's like, you have to raise your kids differently, not to fall for that stuff, man. Well, we've got a, uh, a couple questions here. Uh, I know people like this one. Uh, favorite tooth and nail bands? Man, when we first started, it was like, yeah, Focus was out, Unashamed. MXPX, um, they went on to do big things. Uh, Strong Arm out of Florida. Um, I know I'm going to miss it. Living Sacrifice is still one of my favorites. Yep. I remember Focal Point, dude. Yep. Uh, yep. There was a lot of great bands at that time, dude. Um, I, I remember even before, like, I POD, I used to go watch the Crucified play. You know what I mean? They were they were um, kind of before that scene, but they mm -hmm. were, dude, they were sick. You know, they were opening up for Pantera, opening up for all kinds of guys. And, um, but they were, there's a lot of good bands, man. I think that that era is when it showed me like, okay, cool. Or this is cool that there's guys out there with the same faith and they're just as good as the bands, the other bands were playing with, you know, it's not better. So, but then I did realize that, oh, because they're being labeled as Christians, they're not going to get the recognition that they deserve. And at the same time, I, I don't think there was a possibility. So what do they do? They stayed under that Christian umbrella and signed a tooth and nail and signed those kind of things because that's what their opportunities were. You know, um, it let me lucky for us. We kind of saw past that and said, well, I don't want to be in that regardless. I, we're a band. I, you know, I want to be, I want to sign the same band that the label that signed Led Zeppelin signed ACDC. You know what I mean? Why not? Well, POD proved it was possible. A lot of people <laughs> would have said that it wasn't. Uh, yeah, another good true. question here from hollow sentence. I'm interested to know this one too. Would you share the defining moment that led you to find religion? Well, let me, let me clarify. I believe religion is, is, is man's way of trying to reach up to God. I believe Christianity is a faith believing that God has reached down to us by sending his son. So, and I battle this because I don't like being called Christian because not everybody has the definition right. But if I say Christian, I mean a faith that means I believe in Jesus. So, um, but that defining moment uh, for me was when uh, my mom got sick of cancer and I watched her die and I had to, and it was time for me to grow up, but I didn't listen. It wasn't because of a preacher or some, some whack dude on TBN telling me this or that, selling me holy water. Um, it wasn't this um, westernized, you know, white, blonde hair, blue eyed American Christianity. Um, I grew up from a hurting family. And when they found the real Jesus, they changed and their lives changed. And I saw them go from everything bad to all healed up. So it was always un my their faith in Jesus was always undeniable, undeniable to me. I was just a kid trying to figure out where does that fit in my life because I'm a kid who's here out in the streets and we want to kind of do what we want to do. So how do I fit this standard of goodness <laughs> into a, some bad streets? So it was just me growing up and learning. And so when my mom finally got sick, I made the decision, not that I did everything right. It was just making a decision to try to follow the faith that my mom did. And then once I realized that it wasn't, you know, she had her Jesus and now Jesus was making himself real to me and he became my Jesus. And 30 years later, he's still my Jesus. And I've learned more in the 30 years through experience, through scripture, through my eyeballs, <laughs> through everything that I've witnessed and seen. 
um, and I wouldn't change it for the world. It doesn't make me rich. It doesn't make um, it's not a prosperity thing. It doesn't make me not have hard times. But it doesn't make me not witness death and, and sickness and evil. I just have. It's just the thing that keeps me going. That's what it is. I always appreciated a lot of those bands drew a distinction between their faith and the Christian church because what a lot of people may not necessarily realize is a lot of those like Christian hardcore bands spoke out against the church for all yeah. the same reasons that other hardcore bands did. <laughs> yeah. Just because someone's a Christian doesn't mean that they're a fan of the church. Yeah, exactly. And I've struggled with that forever, trying to define what this institution of church and institution of Christianity is. But I can't let that get me bitter because we'll, that's a whole other conversation. So my eyes, you know, my heart, mind and soul are focused on God and his word and trying to apply it to my own life just because I need it. If not, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to fail. I'm going to, I'm going to hurt myself. You know what I mean? Question from X narc X, what bands retired or current would you want to tour with, but haven't? I mean, just cause I'm old school when it comes to the big rock bands like ACDC or U2, you know, the police, I mean, those are obviously I'm showing my age now, but, you probably played festivals with a lot of those bands. So probably, years, I would imagine. Yeah. probably at some point, just never got the opportunity to meet any of them, you know, but, um, oh man, I don't know, bro. I think we, I don't think we've ever played with the Beastie Boys. That's huge. I don't even think we played with Rage Against the Machine on the same day, which would have been, you know, huge fan of Rage. So it's just, yeah. But I think I've been lucky enough to play with all my favorite bands. And so that's, that's what's cool. That's why I still, that's why I'm so grateful for what I've been able to do, you know? Yeah. Let's see. Uh, here's an interesting one. Since the band has been around for 30 years, how did POD change with the social media landscape for the better? So once, once social media started being a thing, how, how did you guys adapt or interact with that? We're still adapting. I mean, this is, there's just certain things. We're not, we're not teenagers, you know what I mean? And now I see guys my age and I see them, you know, song and dancing on TikTok and stuff. And I was like, this is what music has come to, a social media, you know, presence. It's true. And there's just certain things in me that's like that punk rock is like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going <laughs> to do it. You're lucky enough. But here you are on Twitch. It. Well, yeah, exactly. You're lucky that I, I'm just trying to just trying to stay up with Instagram. You know what I mean? But it's like this is, you know, it's a crazy world, uh, but it's different. It's a different mentality. And I wish that it didn't exist. The only reason why I love it. It's because of the communication. You can communicate. When it first started, like you're like, dude, I'm talking to some kid in Africa who says he bought a POD tape. This mm -hmm. is crazy. You know, like, and then I would never know that if I, this kid didn't hit me up. And those things are absolutely beautiful, but it's everything else that's like, look at me and look what I have in this fake sense of life. And it's like, oh, this is ugly, man. You know, so that's, it's different. We, we try to keep up as much as we can, but in the end, it's like, it is what it is. Yeah. This is a potentially tricky one. So feel free to pass if you want, but I'd be interested to hear what you think about it. Uh, thoughts on Christian bands letting go of their faith. He mentions Gideon under, and under oath. Obviously I wouldn't expect you to comment on any particular band. Um, but what are your thoughts on that? My thought is like everybody else, you put your focus on religion, on people that say they're Christians or people that say, uh, use the name of Jesus, which the church has been doing for 2000 years since Jesus died, was crucified. They've been using his name to get what they want and manipulating people. And a lot of those bands, they grew up in that system. So when you're talking about those, those Christian bands, yeah, they were, they were rebelling then because they're like, dude, this is kind of whack. Yeah. Again, I didn't grow up in that. I'm from San Diego. We, this is the streets. We're a melting pot of everybody. This is not the Bible belt. This is, you know, this is a faith that I, I learned to, to walk through and to walk in. So I understand. I get it. I think I even when I heard it, I saw I think I saw something that Wes had said. And it was like, because of Christians, I'm not a Christian anymore. And I remember as real as possible. And I, remember, I think I met the kid before. And I remember DM, DMing him and say, dude, you know, in a part, part of my language to all you holy people. I remember I, I DM'd him and I said, whenever you want to talk real shit on me, I'm here for you. because." That's the problem. You ain't, you ain't been able to talk real stuff. And you're just used to seeing judgmental people. Every moment you fell off the boat, which you did fall off the boat, which is fine because we're human. 
but there should have been someone there picking you up and walking with you. And that's the, that's the definition of faith in, in Jesus and Christianity is saying, dude, I got you. I got you. That's my Jesus. I got you. You, fe- you fell. Let me pick you up. You fallen again. Let me pick you up. You messed up again. Let me pick you up. I got you. That's not the Christianity that most people know. They're like, oh, you messed up. You're burning in hell. Oh, you believe this or that? (laughs) You're going to hell. There's so many of these kids that were like literally 15 when these bands started, and they're from like Dayton or someplace like that. And not putting Dayton down, but like they grew up basically indoctrinated in the church. Forced, yes. And I don't know that any of them necessarily ever believed it. A lot of these bands, I don't know if they ever really believed it at all. Not with their, yeah, maybe not. I, I, I believe that too. But the moment they were 18 or whatever, yeah. or, or the moment the moment uh, they're not signed to a Christian band and they're on a real label, real major label, and now they're selling records and doing things on their own. Like, it just makes it how, how it's interesting how easy it is now to come out and say, ah, F all that stuff. I don't right. It's like, nah, dude, you can't throw out the baby with the bathwater. You know what I mean? This is like, I get the hurt because I've seen guys come out a lot and I've DM people on the side like, dude, whenever you want to talk real, because I get it. The hood in me says, like, dude, you're a sellout. That's the first thing that comes to my mind is like, oh, dude, you're you're weak. And, and you let somebody get to you. You didn't have a real relationship with Jesus. But then the compassionate side of me and empathetic is like, I totally understand why you did it. Because most Christians are whack. <laughs> truth. That is the truth. But those that's not who I identify with. And I think I've tried to spend most of my 30 years in purity life saying, dude, Jesus is not those people. Jesus was not a Christian. Right. Jesus is not those people. He wasn't Americanized like these people. He is not what the church is saying he is. But it's but but even okay, to go to my point to these guys that have said that, okay, you can say because of Christians, I'm not a Christian. I know what you mean. But that's not gonna fly. It's not gonna fly later on. If we believe in eternity and we believe in Jesus, and you know, maybe you don't believe in Jesus, but you still gotta wrestle with eternity. You still got to wrestle with life after death. Like, what do you believe in? And if maybe there is some sense to all this stuff, and I'm sorry that, you know, I apologize for most whack Christians, but if one day you do stand before God, you cannot say, oh, it's because of your whack Christians that I didn't believe in you. Because I'm going to say, you know what? It's probably because of, hey, God, it's probably because these whack Christians that probably that drew, that drew me even more closer to you. That's going to That's what I'm going to say, because that's just the truth. I got tired of being bitter at church people and all this stuff and say, you know what? Cool. We just don't relate, but makes more sense. Now it just shows why I need to know my scripture and I need to get intimate with my God because I'm listening to all you old, you know, most of you old white blue eyed from the Bible belt that's trying to tell me from South San Diego, we don't relate. You don't know what I'm going through, but that one guy that knows what I'm going through, I'm like, Hey, can, Hey, let's let's study the Bible together. Do you show, tell me what you know, man. Like, so it's just about getting around and having the accountability with the right people. It's interesting that you would would say that about Christians being whack. Um, you know, I grew up in Seattle, which is not at all a religious place. Mm-hmm. I was never around Christians really. The only Christians that I really have known were people from the Christian like hardcore scene, and mm-hmm. I thought they were all awesome. So yeah. my, my impression of Christians is they're great. <laughs> <laughs> See, yeah, you're a rare breed. Because <laughs> most people are like, dude, I, I mean, most of the guys, like I said, I know in bands are like, dude, I, you meet these young rock guys and they're like, dude, I couldn't listen to your music. I live in such a strict Christian home. And, and, or I had to convince my mom and dad that you guys were actually Christians and show them the lyrics. And I was like, there's just this, it, that's religion. And that is like, to me, the epitome of religion. And you're like, dude, you're, you're bound by these certain laws and rules. And, and you're, you're calling this God and you're calling this not God. When it's like, well, what do you know? What is it based on? It's just based on church teaching or like whatever your culture's teaching. Like, what do you, what do you, you know? So again, we have no excuse until that's why we have to open up the word of God ourselves and be like, dude. And I was intimidated by a lot of Christians for the longest time too, or people that say they know Jesus and they know God and they know better than me because they're holy. That was intimidating. And I, I see why the world is like, dude, I don't want nothing to do with you or your God, but that's why you have to open up the one-on-one relationship, opening up the Bible and be like, so this is what it's about, huh? That's kind of cool. 
actually. <laughs> you know, every time I've ever read the Bible, aside from all the parts that are like kind of the history stuff that yeah, 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 which the Old just, Testament. <laughs> it's yeah, that's cool, but I just I'm not, I don't care who yeah, begat who and all that stuff. Yeah. But every time I've opened up the Bible, I've always gotten something really valuable out of it. Did you ever cross paths with like Shelter or any of the like Hare yeah. Krishna bands? Yeah. Have, have you talked? Right, right when we first started. No, I never okay. got conversations. But I remember, I think we might have did something um, in San Diego. Or we might have went to like a probably Earth Crisis show or something like that. And then like Shelter was there. But that's when you realize, okay, cool. Everybody's got their thing. Like this yeah. is, you know, at the time, I didn't necessarily have my thing. I mean, I, I was like, my friends are my thing. My The streets are my thing. These are my this is what we know. And it was like, you know, I believed in God, but it, I, I didn't have this like deep relationship with God. Cause again, I thought, well, that's one day I'll become a good Christian the way we're supposed to be. And, but it's like, no, I realized, and you started to see this, but I always had respect for all those bands. Like, dude, that's why I love this music. Everybody gets to say what they want and th- you don't have to agree. I loved rage against the machine. Do I agree on every single thing they say? no, a lot I do, but a lot of their stuff, I'm like, nah, dude, I don't, I don't agree whatsoever. I have no problem saying that either. But, but I'm like, damn, but you guys freaking rock. Yeah, I love this band. <laughs> I missed that. Um, you know, I, I, just, I just don't think the climate is like that anymore. That people nah. are not willing to hear somebody that they disagree with. You know, you could go to a show back then. You could see a Krishna band, a Christian band, yeah. a vegan band, a band that hates You're Christians, a band, yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> a band that hates Krishnas. And they would all play in the same, the same bill and they might be friends. They might not be friends, but you would get exposed to so many different ideas. And uh, I I miss that. I wish that we, me too. I wish we had that climate. Now I was just excited to go hear a point of view that I hadn't heard before, whether I agreed with it or not. I think more people need to, yeah, they need that point of view. It's so true. I I miss those days and I just don't, um, I mean, there's still guys out there doing it. I see, I, I mean, I follow so many different people, like, the old school guys. And then there'll be like, I, I think I saw like a West coast hardcore show the other day for like five bucks. And I'm like, dude, that's keeping it real right there. Yep. You know what I mean? And I think it was Danny Diablo from New York, you know, and he's uh-huh. coming through and he, he's jumping in playing with a few of these LA bands. And it was like, dude, this is sick, man. Like I don't, yeah. And maybe just because I'm older and I just can't go to those shows anymore. You know what I'm saying? But you could go. That would be, be awesome. I know, I know what you mean. I know, I know what you're saying. I, 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 okay, I, I take that back. But like what happened, like it's there's still a little bit, there's still a little bit of flicker in there, you know, but it seemed like for a minute when we were younger that it was breaking the surface, you know, it just seemed like it was about to explode. And, you know, and then when, I guess when it exploded for us, we were just introduced to a whole nother world and all the bands that we play with now, like at least, at least all the big bands and like, dude, they, they never went through that. You know what I mean? It's just, that's just the honest truth. They, you know, a lot of those guys, even the biggest bands now, like, you know, they're all that L.A. Hollywood story or, you know, or they got they got their shot and they played. And all of a sudden, before you knew it, they signed a big deal, made millions. You know, it's just that's they don't have the history. And so, again, the foundation. Yeah. And that, so it goes back to it again, counting the costs. There's there's days when I'm like, you know what? Being having integrity and, uh, you know, all this, sure doesn't pay my bills. But <laughs> when I lay my soul, hand though. at night true and that's you said it before too i know all the bands bro that they have all the money in the world they hate each other they hate their lives and and i and i my heart breaks for them so when i look back and and i look now and i'm like you know what maybe well i know god was in all of it no matter what but maybe we we just weren't god just didn't want us to touch that realm because then we would all be you know looking for different things you know and so it's like i just trust that god's in control and that's just what it is whatever happens if we keep touring if we, you know, whatever's going to happen with COVID and everything. We just, I just got to keep trusting God that he's in control. That's all. Cool. Well, I will let you go. Uh, I appreciate your time very much. Really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, anything you want to promote or whatever before, uh, words of wisdom for the kids before I let you go. Oh man, I think we covered, I'm just grateful. Got a tour coming up that you want to talk about or anything? We got it. Uh, we're scheduled. We leave here real soon. Our first show I think is August 13th ending in san diego october 8th so um we're just hoping that everything goes good everybody stay safe don't uh but come and support live music i mean be safe you know follow all the rules but don't let anything keep you from coming back unless you know i mean i get the circumstances only you know your circumstances but i don't care if you have to wear a mask at a a venue come out have fun like we're still gonna 
we're still going to try and just be normal. You know what I mean? And then, um, oh, for the record, when my cousin was getting tattooed in that video, it wasn't a tramp stamp. <laughs> where where, where it was, was it? It looked like a tramp stamp. <laughs> no, his whole back is tatted. Oh, just okay. for the video. He wasn't even getting tatted. Just for the video, it, he was just going over something. So it just happened to catch it. But Got we it. watched that video. It's funny. Marco <laughs> sent it to us, and he was like, he watched the whole thing, and he's like, He's not clowning us. He's like, I mean, besides making a joke about a tramp stamp, he's like, he's actually kind of giving credit to us. So I was like, okay, cool. Because, you know, as soon as he sends it, you're like, oh, here's another guy going to come and try to talk trash. So then we watched it. We're like, oh, he's just being funny. Like, it was was cool. I appreciate it. Cool. Well, thanks again. And uh, hopefully we'll uh, cross paths one of these days. For sure, buddy. Good talking to you, man. All right, my friends. That does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that. And you can just sit at home, think about how awesome this podcast is. That works too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard. Hey, this is Aaron from No Simple Road. I'm inviting you to come hang out with Apple, Mel, and I as we talk with the musicians, artists, chefs, authors, and beyond from the world that turns us on. We're reaching into the improvisational music scene, the psychedelic culture, the festival world, and getting to know what makes the people tick that create those scenes. Come join us on the long, strange trip over at No Simple Road.